Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucksters? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Welcome to it. How's it going? What's happening? Everybody okay? You hanging in? You doing the thing? Joe Walsh is on the show today. Joe fucking Walsh, right? Joe Walsh, James Gang, Joe Walsh, Joe Walsh, solo Joe Walsh, Joe Walsh, Eagles, Joe Walsh, fucking Joe Walsh, great American guitar player, folks. Uh, I was excited to talk to him, and uh, I think it went pretty well. Uh, he's a deeply sober man, and he's uh, been around a long time, and I've heard some stories about him, and I remember him from back in the day, back in, uh, he used to show up at the comedy store in the 80s. I tell him a story. I the, like I saw him. He used to before he got sober. He looked like a ghost, man. Just this long, sort of like horrible blonde hair that just looks just beat, like not from swimming but from drugs. Just like a shadow of a dude. I just remember he just like he he walked up an entire tray of greyhounds to Sam Kennison on stage. Either he sent it up or he walked it up. I have I don't know if he would have had the energy to walk it up, but but I remember him being around and not looking great, folks. But he looks good now. He's solid. He's healthy, and uh, he's drinking diet coke. So that's happening. Joe Walsh is happening. Do you remember? Do you remember your first Joe Walsh records? Maybe you don't. Maybe I don't know. Maybe this is a unique thing to me because how did I? You know, what I was thinking about him. And I'm right now. I'm thinking about it. Like, what got me the records? Like, I'm trying. Here's what I'm trying to remember, folks. Rocky Mountain Way was the song when I was in junior high, high school. It was around. It was already, you know, in the pantheon of uh, great hard rock songs from the '70s. And you, it was, it was in you know constant rotation. Spent the last year Rocky Mountain Way. The live version of it was really the one you heard a lot. This is pre-Eagles, Joe Walsh. And I was trying to think, you know, what did that song make me do? I know this sounds weird, but some of you my age remember the Columbia Record Club. All right? The Columbia Record Club, I believe is what it was, where you'd get like 10 to 12 albums or cassettes for like a dollar or something. But then you were in. Then you, you know, you're going to be sent the record of the month every month. You're going to get these, 
you know, and usually, you know, you either you took your parents' credit card number or you got some, you know, cash somehow. Uh, you got them to throw for it, you know, get those 12, I believe it was 12, uh, you know, before CDs, cassettes or records. And I, I, that's where I track it. That's where I track it back to. Because that's where I got, and, and I believe the album was You Can't Argue With a Sick Mind. It had a mirror ball on it. And uh, it had Rocky Mountain Way on it, had Walk Away, which I think was a James uh, Gang tune. Um, the rest of it I didn't give a shit about. It was all about Rocky Mountain Way, really. So I remember ordering it. It was one of the cassettes, one of the 12. I can't, what I was trying to do was remember the 12. And I, I must have been in junior high, man. Somewhere in there, that's when I, I got that Columbia Record uh, Club package. I was just trying to remember what those fucking cassettes were. And I know it was that live Joe Walsh. I know it was Aerosmith's first album. I know it may have been Aerosmith's Toys in the Attic as well. ELO's greatest hits, probably for just their version of Roll Over Beethoven, because I didn't, you know, I didn't care for ELO that much. I believe Skinner's Second Helping. And I think maybe the smoker you drink, the player you get, the non-live version of Rocky Mountain Way. And then there was five other ones that I wish I could fucking remember. I feel like there was a Paul Simon in there. I just remember looking through that catalog and be like, and that day that shit came, it was so exciting. But then all of a sudden out of nowhere, a month later, you get another record and you're like, I didn't ask for this record. Oh, that's the record of the month that you pay for because of your deal. Now you got, you know, you're into us for a dozen records fucker and we're gonna get them unless you you know tell your parents that you were underage and get them to write a letter or have an attorney friend write a letter you know i was like a i was 14 13 years old i think that's how i got out of it i wonder how often that happened yeah just having the folks call my son to you know was suckered by your i think that's how it happened i wouldn't call that cowardly i was just sort of like what do you want me to do you got to pay for these records i don't even want these records the ones that came, the record of the month, not always the, not, not the ones that, they were not, they were not based on an algorithm back then. They were just sort of like, here you go. Here's your, uh, Andy Gibb record. Enjoy shadow dancing. Um, yeah, yeah, that's in there. That's in the catalog somehow. Just AM radio, right? AM radio, seventh, eighth grade before I got baptized in FM Laid back KRST in Albuquerque, the crest. Welcome to the crest. Uh, coming up now, we're going to do the entire side two of Jesse Colin Young's. Yeah, yeah, that was a that was a Jesse Colin Young record. Do you know that record? How about okay? We're going to play side one of Dan Fogelberg's. Yeah. Yeah, those I know they sound similar. The Fogelberg and Jesse Collin Young records. As I said, Joe Walsh is coming. Joe Walsh is uh, on the way. But I, I wanted to share with you something that I did. I I did a recording session. Don't get crazy. I know a lot of you expecting the double album. Then after that, maybe the double live album of me just noodling by myself on stage in an arena. <laughs> that, that image just made me incredibly nervous as you know i did this movie with lynn shelton called sword of trust now in that movie uh it's an improvised movie with michaela watkins toby huss um 
John Bass, Jillian Bell. It's going to be good. Lynn locked picture. I have nothing to do with that part. But she did use and integrate some of the guitar stuff I do at the end of the show, which she was using as placeholders, I think, initially. And then she decided it sort of fit into it, to the movie. And she had Brendan, my producer, Brendan McDonald, send her a bunch of those. There are hundreds of them, of me just sitting here noodling by myself. And that became sort of... uh, the fabric of the soundtrack. And at the end, over the credits, under the credits, I should say, she wanted to have a song. Something like, uh, like Who Do You Love? But the John Hammond version of it. So, you know, we're going back into late 60s, maybe very early 70s, that tone. Uh, you know, standard Louisiana uh, jump groove. But, you know, we didn't know how much the song would cost or what it would take to license it. So we, I created with, uh, with Tall Wilkenfeld, and you music nerds know who she is, but she's a comedy fan. I've played with her at these comedy jam things, and I've seen her at the club, the comedy store, hanging out, watching comedy. I didn't really know. I think when she first introduced herself to me, Tal uh, Wilkenfeld, she, she was like, yeah, I sing, I play bass. And I was probably dismissive, as I was with Tiffany Haddish, who I didn't know when she said she wanted to do the podcast. Hmm. She said she would come. Anyway, so Tal. So I just worked with her and I know Lynn wanted to do this. So I said, look, I'll reach out to Tal. I kind of know her and, you know, she's the real deal. And maybe we'll try to, you know, get something together and record something uh, for that, you know, an original piece for that last bit. So we did. So I, I talked to Tal and, and her and I, you know, put together uh, an arrangement. I didn't know uh, the whole process. So, you know, I met her at her house at her home studio and we laid out, you know, a thing with changes. We got the form, she called it. We made some demos okayed them with Lynn and then she was going to set up a studio session with her people and you know I thought like well this is a lot bigger than we thought but Lynn's like Lynn's like let's do it you know we got the you know we got some money let's let's do it so we end up going to a fucking studio after we made the demos it turns out it's it's fucking well first of all like Tal Wilkenfeld is this um she's like a a prodigy she's like a 31 year old bass genius from Sydney Australia uh, Jewish Australian uh, woman, but she's like this wizard on bass. I mean, she's fucking played with Jeff Beck. She tours with Jeff Beck. Uh, she you know, recorded with Herbie Hancock, Macy Gray, Jackson Brown, Lee Rettenauer, Ryan Adams, Todd Rundgren. I mean, she's a bass wizard, and she's also a production wizard, and she's a solo artist as well. She's like not only the real deal. She's like you know gifted. So we go to the studio, right? And she get like, and as we're leading into it, I'm sort of like, you know, why don't you just get another guitar player to do this? I mean, you know, you know all these people. And she's like, no, no, it's going to be great. You're going to do it. And I'm like, okay, okay. But then we get, you know, the day before, she's like, I think um, I'm going to call uh, my friend Doyle Bramhall. Maybe he'll come down and, you know, just listen because I'm going to need a set of ears while I'm playing. And I'm like, why don't you just have Doyle play? He's like, oh, fucking wizard. Plays with Clapton and fucking, I mean, just, you know. But she's like, no, it's going to be great. You'll do it. I'm like, oh, my God. And then she's like talking about like, you know, maybe uh, Ben Montench will come down and do some organ. I'm like, what? I just get just you you guys just do it. I You know, I don't need to be there. She's like, no, 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 you're going to be great. So anyways, we're doing it. And we, you know, she pulled together this this group. She's got this drummer, Tamir Barzolet, uh, who plays with her in her touring band. And uh, apparently they were playing together when they opened for The Who just last year so she brought in this uh piano player this guy zach ray 
who's like Death Cab's uh, piano player. He's also played on like Leonard Cohen records and you know on Ringo records. Nora Jones, like it's just wizards. And then this harmonica dude named Jimmy Z. He was there, fucking in the studio, Jackson Brown studio, where Dylan recorded. And we were there all fucking day. Everyone's fucking killing it, geniuses. And just the layers and then going in once you got the take you want and then working within that one. I don't know. I get it now. I understand the sort of like what it takes to make the magic that finally makes it into your head on a recording. But also the sort of weird timelessness of doing that work, laying down the track you know, chipping away at it, doing leads, doing, you know, pickup pieces and like, uh, like it was just, it was pretty, uh, pretty fucking amazing, pretty fun. And, um, I'm excited for you to hear it. And I, since I, I think I, I believe I co-wrote the, the piece with Tall, I imagine we'll have, uh, you know, once uh, Lynn releases the movie after that, I imagine I can play it for you. I will play you the cut, which I believe is now called New Boots. So look forward to hearing new boots here sometime, you know, next year, I guess. But what an amazing experience. That's all I'm saying. Joe Walsh is here. He's currently on on the Eagles 2018 North American Tour, now through the end of the year. He's also doing his second annual Vets Aid Benefit Show on Veterans Day, November 11th, at the Tacoma Dome in Washington State. Don Henley, James Taylor, Chris Stapleton, and Hyam will be doing full sets along with Joe. That should go to that if you can. Um, all right, so this is me chipping away at... Uh, Legendary guitar player Joe. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature, and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Fox Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Fox Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. Osh. What, are you drinking Diet Cokes? That's the thing? Yeah. I like Diet Cokes. Do you? Yeah, they help. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you kind of do. It's funny. I, uh, I, have, I think I met you once before, and you would never know where. Years ago... I was a uh, doorman at the comedy store when I was 21 years old, 22 years old, and you were sort of like an apparition, a kind of a ghost-like presence <laughs> that, that would come in. A phantom. Yeah, a phantom. And you, uh, I remember one time you sent Kennison up a, an entire tray of Greyhounds. Like, <laughs> you were, like it just, the waitress had, this, had about, about 20 drinks on it, and you're like, yep, that's it. <laughs> That was the uh, yeah. That was back then. Yeah, you remember that shit? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I do. <laughs> yeah. I do. Sam was uh, 
What a good guy. You, you spent some time? Oh, yeah. A lot, of, a lot of hours looking into each other's eyes, talking. Yeah. Yeah, that kind yeah, of stuff. figuring out the universe. Yeah, he was good at that. Yeah. yeah. And it mostly revolved around him, which was a- It did, didn't it? <laughs> which was a, a lucky coincidence for yeah. him. That, that uh, yeah. if he just talked about himself, it just kind of spread out from there. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I just, uh, those days are kind of a, a haze for me. But, uh, but I remember it pretty good. How you were 21? 22, 21. 22. Yeah, and I was a doorman. I was hanging out with him. Were you doing? Oh, yeah. yeah. Improv? I was doing stand-up. I still do stand-up. Yeah. But I was doing a lot of coke. A lot of coke. That was, what the, that, was the, that was the graduate work I was doing. A lot of yes. blow. Yeah. yeah. Up at the house. You majored in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's my second major. Yeah. 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 I, know it, I know it well. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've been sober a while, right? 25. 25. Better, right? It's better. Yeah, yeah. I've got. I'm coming up on 19. Yeah, man. I mean, uh, it, it's like I think about because I was listening. What was I listening to today? The Confessor, and mm. uh, and I remember the first time I heard that, I thought, man, this he, Joe's got to be way underwater on this one. I mean, wh- where were you when you when were, that that song? I was like, he, this is this is what bottom looks like. Was it? Yeah, and uh, Stevie Nicks helped me a lot with, oh, that, yeah? with that album. Oh, yeah? Yeah. How so? Well, uh, we buddied up yeah. for about a year. Yeah. Uh, she had uh, some solo album hits. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. And uh, toured. Yeah. And I opened for her. Uh-huh. And in the process of that, we just ended up hanging out together more and more right you guys were dating for a long time yeah 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 but like when you do something because i'm she's not she's not on that record though right no she's not on it but she helped me write it yeah put it uh, process it confessor was a lot of her and you know mostly encouragement yeah 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 because well she's got a mystical bent yeah. Her, right so yeah. you got that element yeah yeah man yeah. she's a good witch yeah good witch yeah yeah you know there's a it's weird when you meet the bad ones right <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh yeah in hollywood there's no shortage of uh the bad witches especially back then the 80s seemed to be uh very full of bad witches yeah yeah i mean you just couldn't uh you, you think they're good at first or... well yeah it's kind of like you know uh in the worst case scenario is that you marry one yeah <laughs> and then you find out. <laughs> so do you remember, like, uh, like where'd you grow up? Oh, boy. Okay, I was born in Kansas. Yeah. I uh, spent some time in Chicago, Illinois. Yeah. Uh, my family moved to Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. Spent about three years there. Yeah. Uh, we went to New York City. Why, why all the traveling? My father was uh, in the legal end of insurance, uh-huh. professional insurance, like malpractice insurance right. for doctors and right. stuff. Yeah. So Chicago was continental casualty. Yeah. Uh, he got a promotion to Nationwide. Yeah. That's Columbus. Right. And then he went. To, uh, we went to New York City, an independent firm uh-huh. picked him up. And then he ended up back in Ohio? And went, went to uh, junior high school in New York City. That was a hoot. Yeah. And then high school in Montclair, New Jersey. Montclair? Yeah. 
So you really, you know, you're sort of a Midwest guy, but yeah. you end up in Jersey. Where did I grow up? Yeah. I mean, I'm yeah. not, I'm not done yet. Yeah. And then uh, I got accepted at Kent State no in shit. Ohio. Yeah, right. So I went back there in 1965. Oh, right before the badness. And uh, I left uh, at the end of 1970, pretty much because of the shooting. So you were on campus when that happened? Yeah, I was right there. I talked to who I I talked to Mark Mothersbaugh. Yeah. Yeah, he was there too. Oh yeah. Did you know him? Yeah. Back then? Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. You were in sort of the same circles? There was the fraternity guys. Yeah. Right. And you were and then that were then there was us. <laughs> right. The, the sides were drawn. Yeah. Yeah. So I can't even imagine what like what was what it was like to to have been there for that. I mean, it sounded no, like you it, can't. It's just chaos. Yeah, yeah, and it was uh, a perfect storm mm -hmm. of total dysfunction, authority. Yeah, uh, not knowing what they were doing. Yeah, none of them. Versus a very naive, innocent student body. Yeah. And did you know any of the people that were killed? Yeah. Really? Jeffrey and Allison. Yeah. Holy shit. So, like, at that point, you, you know, what, did you feel a, a call to arms or you just wanted to get the fuck out? Uh, well, Kent died. Yeah. Kent was a great place. Yeah. It was like, uh... Austin, yeah, Texas is. Yeah, it was like Seattle when the grunge. Right, hit. sure, yeah. It was like uh, San Francisco. Right, yeah. Before that mutated. Yeah, it was just this little island of us. Yeah, yeah. Creativity. Kids, kids yeah. who got accepted at college. Yeah, and were going to college and didn't really know what that was. Right. But this seemed like there was a lot of creative people there too. Like it was kind of yeah, 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 yeah. And and Kent was great because it was the second biggest school in yeah. Ohio, which was twenty thousand people. Right. Yeah. And uh, five bars downtown. Yeah. And on any given night, you could go downtown and hear a band. Yeah. And because of the college. Uh, Kent was the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where the girls were. Sure, yeah. So bikers would come up from Youngstown, and people would come up from all of Ohio and and down from Cleveland. And right. Weekends, and, it was crazy when school was in. Right. So like, so in the sixties, were just starting to happen. So yeah. it was like you know the 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 kind of like uh, the big change culturally was starting to happen. Yeah. People were doing wild shit. Yeah. Out in public. So, uh, and I remember when LSD was legal. Yeah, before anyone knew better. Yeah, and at any given time, probably 15% of the student body was on acid, you know? Yeah. And uh, and and we were good to go. Yeah. And uh, I got in a band and which played downtown, and then school was out, Yeah. and I stayed. Yeah, which band was that? Do I have to tell you? Sure. The measles. Yeah, the measles? Yeah. And how long have you been playing up to that point? When did you start playing the guitar? High school. Yeah? Yeah. And did you guys, uh, you were pretty serious about it, the measles? 
Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, and we learned cover songs. Yeah. And that was all you needed to know. Yeah. And and and, and but when when school was out, yeah. The first summer, mm-hmm. I stayed and became a resident of Kent. Yeah. After the shooting? No. Before. No, no, no. Yeah. This is 1966. Oh, yeah, yeah. 67. So you were just living there. Yeah. Well, it was still yeah. Kent. Yeah. Still, everybody came. Yeah, yeah. Even when school was out. Yeah, There just yeah. weren't any students. Right. And that's where I put in my, my 10,000 hours. Playing? Playing, you know, three nights a week, four sets a night. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that's when I was good. Yeah. <laughs> when it was still raw yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and so Kent was this place well when the shooting happened they closed the university because the fbi was investigating mm-hmm. and um everybody went home and all of the places to play closed yeah and the town people didn't like us anymore right and uh, Ohio didn't like us anymore. Right. Because Nixon represented us as dirty, hippie, yeah. communists who are a danger to America. Right. That's how he justified the shooting. We yeah. weren't. We right. were just kids. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just doing what kids do. Yeah. And and so there was nothing there. Yeah. Oh, really? Just It just felt it awful. dead. Yeah. Yeah, literally, Kent died. Yeah. And uh, I was on a roll. I had gotten myself in the James Gang. Yeah, great, great band. And in... uh, That started in Ohio? Yeah, Yeah, in Cleveland. Yeah. So I had worked my way up, and uh, we word of mouth in the Midwest is we were bitching. Yeah, yeah. And we were. Yeah, yeah. And... so, sadly, I left Kent. Right. But you went to Cleveland? Well, yeah. 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 And you did the first uh, the, the first uh, James, uh, James, James Gang James album? album. That, that was out by then. Yeah. But uh, we did the second one. That was that, the big one, right? The second one? Yeah. That's what Funk 49 was. In, uh, yeah, that riff, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. James so, Gang Rides Again. Yeah. So when you started playing, like who were the guys that were you know that you kind of modeled yourself after? Who were the cats that you thought were great? Oh, uh, when I was really little, Les Paul. Oh, you used to listen to those, uh, Les Paul and um, Mary Ford, Ford. Ford records. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. God, he can move around, right? Oh, he make well, it sound he wild. Invented a lot of it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I played some stuff in orchestra, and that didn't work so good. With what instrument? Well, I ended up playing oboe. Wow. Yeah. It's tight. That's a seems difficult. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> limiting. It was pretty cool. But yeah, oboe players don't get a lot of girls. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you knew that. I, I was, they I, don't. I assumed. <clears throat> yeah, you but, but the ones you got, they'd stay. You know. Yeah. If you're an oboe player, yeah, you're locked in. Yeah. Yeah. So you choose switch to guitar. Well, I just found on my own that I could figure songs on the radio out. On the guitar. Or the on elbow? the guitar. Yeah. Yeah. And I could also sing. Yeah. You can't sing if you play oboe. No. It doesn't work at all. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta take, you know, kind of back and forth a lot. Yeah, so I, 
I, at that point, was figuring out all the stuff on the radio. And I grew up with all the 50s doo-wop yeah. and all of that. That's, yeah. that's my influence. Yeah. Is it, good old rock and roll. And here come the, the English guitar players. Right. Which was Beck and Clapton and... Peter Green? Peter Green, yeah. Big time. Right. Page. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, you know... Uh, I was pretty dumb. Uh-huh. Uh, most America was really dumb in the fifties. Uh-huh. It was wonderfully, wonderfully dumb. Yeah, every, you know everything kind of. We knew everything we needed to know. <laughs> yeah, and that was enough. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was plenty. We, we didn't even know enough to respect the guys that the English blues players actually took into their hearts. Well, they started talking about all these blues guys. Yeah, yeah. And they were just down at South, and no one, none, and in Chicago, I we didn't had, give a sh- no idea. That was never on the radio where I lived. Right. It took them to bring it back. Fifties doo wop was. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. If it was blues, I would have learned it. Yeah. But uh, so I studied the English guys and gradually got into their influences. Right. Go all the way back. Yeah. Like Freddie King. Albert King. And the Three Kings. Yeah. Albert, Freddie, and... Uh, and then you got to B. work B. with B.B., right? I got. I worked with them all. So when you when you started touring with the James Gang, you'd, you'd done your time and you're doing your own riffs, but like you're meeting a lot of cats, right? Like you're on the road with a lot of guys. Like I, I guess because I... I'm yeah, like, I started... I, I, I really started to meet people. We got really good in the Midwest. We were a big draw. Yeah. Our album, our first album got really good reviews yeah it didn't sell a lot right but but people liked it yeah word of mouth sure uh, in the midwest we had a lot of people coming yeah the headliners would come and they would get us as an opening act yeah because we would make the show sell out right we couldn't headline by ourselves didn't have enough songs uh weren't that big right but But you could bring the locals in in the midwest Yeah, yeah 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 so I, that's how I met all the guys. Yeah. And I met Paige. We opened for The Cream yeah. in Detroit. Like the first time they were the over there? At the Ballroom. Oh, yeah? And then you, you got to meet Clapton? He heard me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I got to meet him briefly. And another one was uh, we opened for The Who. Yeah. And Peter Townsend came early that night. And he saw you. He saw me. And did, did did they say anything that first time? Did I mean did you build a relationship with those guys? That was the beginning of a long term relationship with yeah, Pete. Yeah, we bonded really well. Uh, Keith Moon decided he liked me. Yeah, that was the scariest thing that ever happened in my whole life. <laughs> but they Why asked us <laughs> yeah. to open for them in Europe. Oh, really? So for they- for the Tommy tour. So, oh, so James Gang was opening for the Who in Europe. Yeah. So you you see yeah. how I just started meeting people. Right. Well, what, what was the relationship with Keith Moon? Why it's like it's, it wasn't good because he took to you because you got to keep up with him, right? Yeah. It's pretty out of control. Oh yeah. I mean, if he liked you, <laughs> it's a, so it's a battle to the death. In twenty four hours, we stayed up for a couple of days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We stayed up for a week. Yeah. In, in two days. Yeah. Yeah, but they, at that time though, like, weren't they like really the the first band to really kind of be destructive off stage? Yeah, 
Yeah. Oh yeah. So and a lot of that was Keith. But you you were friends with him a long time, right? I mean, until the end, probably. Yeah. 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 Did you play with that? You played on one of his records. Yeah, too. I did. It, 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 I think it got reviewed as the worst album ever made. <laughs> was it? I'm pretty sure. <laughs> but was it fun making it? Yeah. So when you toured the Who, like watching Townsend, and because he's like a rhythm-based guy too, really. He taught me how to play lead and rhythm, like at like, the same time. That's his style, right? Three-piece band. Yeah. So you had to fill the Basically, gap. Basically, yeah. We were a three-piece band, and there's a style because uh, you're the only melodic instrument. There's a style uh, called lead rhythm. Yeah. And that's what Pete did. Yeah. And and I picked up on that. I uh was figuring it out. But I my he was like the the main guy. Yeah. For that. Yeah. And of course Paige. Oh, you were friends with Jimmy too? Yeah. Still? Yeah. We opened for Led Zeppelin. Yeah. In Cleveland. Yeah. Uh their first album had just come out. Oh, wow, yeah. And they were over in the States maybe five weeks too early because everybody came expecting to hear the Yardbirds. Right. Because that's how they knew Jimmy Page. Right. But so they had no idea. Jimmy Page's new band. Yeah. And the audience had, hadn't heard anything from the album. Right. So, And it's a whole different sound, man, right? Oh, yeah. Holy shit. And you... Nobody could grasp it. And they, they were just like figuring out how to play live. Yeah. You wow. know? That must have been insane. So like, well, how would the audience react? Well, we we got a, a really good, you know, yeah. Cleveland's hometown. Sure. So, you know, we just played to our people. Yeah. And and they went crazy. Yeah. And uh, I, I had met Jimmy. I worked my way backstage and met jimmy at a yardbird show uh -huh. i just went to hear the yardbird when they were in cleveland no oh. no this was somewhere else but he remembered me yeah from that yeah and uh and yeah we just we just kind of buddied up yeah and you know he played a, a fender telecaster in the yardbirds right and then he changed to west paul's at some point when you get into a three-piece band you can't use a single coil guitar. Right. Too thin. Too thin. Yeah. You need... <laughs> Power. You need a Les Paul. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had one. Yeah. And he realized that. He was in the process of realizing that a Telecaster ain't going to make it for Led Zeppelin. Right. And so he said, do you know any way I could get a Les Paul? <laughs> Weren't they available? Uh, in England, they were non-existent. Really, in the late in 60s? England, yeah, yeah, yeah. And in the states, yeah, they were around. <laughs> and they they weren't expensive. Yeah, they were around. I mean, everybody was getting new stuff. Everybody was getting like what the Beatles played. Rickenbackers. Rickenbackers. Yeah, yeah, and country gentlemen, Gretches, Epiphone. Yeah, yeah. And so Les Paul was like, that was, you know, that came out in the late 50s. And no one cared. Nobody had really bothered to plug one in. Yeah. And I happened to have two because I found one from a guy in Akron and I found another one in a music store 
you know, there was no guitar center or anything. Yeah. Just a family-owned local music store. Yeah. They had one in the basement. Les Paul, that no one wanted. Yeah. Well, it had been lying around since <laughs> the 50s. Yeah. And so I had two of them. Yeah. And I gave Jimmy one of mine, and I said, well, I have two. Yeah. <laughs> I'll keep the one I like. You can have this one and and see how you like it. Yeah. And that was it. And that is the bulk of Led Zeppelin's work. Right. That he, guitar. He calls it number one. That The one you gave him. Yeah. The magic guitar. Yeah. That's amazing. And, that, and, and you still play Les Pauls mostly or no? It depends what the other guitar player is playing. Uh-huh. I have found that if the other guy's playing a Les Paul, you need to play a single coil. Oh, okay. A strat. Yeah. Just to yeah, balance it out, yeah. get the high end going. You can hear both of them. Right, right. As opposed to just a mess, a humbucking mess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so when you start to, like, who else did you, like, where else did you pick up tricks? Because I did a little research on you, and it seems like just by virtue of touring with all these guys or opening for them. Because I, who did I talk to? I talked to Billy Gibbons about opening for Hendrix in Texas. Yeah. Yeah, you guys must be friends, right? You and Billy. Oh yeah, yeah. He's he he married us. Oh, he did. My he, wife Marjorie. Hi, Marjorie. I love you. <laughs> yeah, he married us. He did. He's a he's a, a what? A, a, yeah, Reverend Billy Gibbons. <laughs> you bet. <laughs> but he talked about it was funny. He shared this story with me where he, he said you know he was opening for Hendrix and they were back at the hotel and Hendrix would have a whole stereo console delivered to the hotel and he said to Billy he's like let's go try and figure out what Jeff Beck is doing and yeah like Jeff Beck was this towering uh, guitar wizard that everybody was baffled by he still is yeah Jeff has mutated to where he made the guitar into an instrument that is yeah he's playing the guitar but that's not the instrument yeah he figured out a way to make noises and a way to play Especially with the tremolo arm, yeah, and the and the knobs, like and the knobs, yeah, and nobody can figure out what the hell he's doing. <laughs> Never could. Yeah, and I met Jeff too, of course. Yeah. So when do you like? I, was it when did the life get large after those first two James Gang hits? Well, life got large when I joined the Eagles. Well, yeah, I would say right. But like, when did you like? When can you track? You know, because you write it, you know, a lot of songs about the rock and roll lifestyle, and, and certainly you're sort of mythic in, in that. But, like, when did you, when, because I guess in the late 60s, early 70s, it was just what everyone was doing. But at some point, you must have upped the, uh, the game. Yeah, there was a lot of people doing it. Yeah. Uh, the James Gang did really well. Yeah. The second album was in the top 100 for a year. Yeah. And the third album, Walk Away was on that but i started to get toasted yeah i was hearing other singers than me two vocals right i was hearing like keyboard parts yeah i was hearing like a rhythm guitar player yeah and when i say that i mean i was writing that kind of music right bigger than a trio yeah yeah those songs were nice but they weren't for the james gang Right. We couldn't go play those live. 
And I also thought I was kind of painting myself into the corner as a great-great-grandfather of heavy metal. And uh, I didn't want to do that. You wanted to, as opposed, you wanted to make more hits, or how'd you? What's the opposite of that? I was starting to really write original material. Yeah, that's all we did. Yeah, just played. It was play. Yeah, that's all. That was my whole life. You know, it wasn't writing necessarily. It's just playing. no. It was playing. Yeah, and going to the next show and driving. Yeah. <laughs> What'd you do in the car? And setting my own stuff up. Yeah, yeah. What I do in the car? Yeah. Listen to the radio. Uh, right. <laughs> no songwriting in the or car. Or nothing. You're in there with two other dudes, right? Just talking at least. Well, I drove the equipment truck. Oh, oh. Okay. Okay. The yeah. other guys were in the car. I lived in the equipment truck. You did on top of the PA columns. Yeah. <laughs> for, uh, that for, was my bit. Yeah. For yeah. For a couple for, months. Anyway. I decided that I was going to try something else. Right. Which is terrifying and makes no sense because when you're in a big group. Yeah. And you're working. And you're working and you're filling the house. Why quit? Yeah. And if you it guys ain't broke, you, don't fix it. And you guys are getting along? Yeah. Yeah. But I was just fried, man. Yeah. I was just fried playing the same songs over and over and over and over and over. Yeah. Yeah. And having to get a buzz to do it. Right. Yeah. Now, this was serious turn up. Right, right. Marshall stacks and stuff. Right. So when you decided to break away, you just told the other dudes? Like, how does that go? I did. Yeah. I did. I said, I'm going to play out the existing shows, and I got to take a break, and I got to get out of out of Ohio. Yeah. And so I did. Where'd you and, go? Uh, I went to Colorado. That's nice. And I did that because Bill Simzik. The producer? The, with the name that nobody can spell. I'm glad you said it before I brought him up. Bill Simzik. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No vowels. Yeah. <laughs> Polish. Uh-huh. Uh, he found us in Ohio. He produced the first album. Yeah. He produced our second album. He produced the B.B. King song uh, album that The Thrill Is Gone was on. Yeah. And that's how I met B.B. Yeah. Uh, What'd you learn from B.B.? Anything? I went to see him about four months before he died. Oh, yeah. Uh, actually, he opened for me at a casino. Uh-huh. And so I went in and sat down and we talked for a while because I'd known him since 69, something like that. And I asked him, what have you learned that you would pass on to me? Yeah. Because I'm going to keep going because you did. You showed you showed us all how. Right. I'm going to keep going. What, you know, yeah. what would you say? He says, he said, Joe, get the money. Get your money. That's it. Yeah. I said, what? (laughs) (laughs) So that's what I learned from BBK. And he was a perfect gentleman. He was just a real gentleman. So how long were you in Colorado? Is that where Rocky Mountain Way came from? Bill Simzik quit the label. Yeah. Uh, Which label? ABC Dunhill. Uh Uh-huh. 
So he's for now he's freelance. He's just out in the world. Uh, uh, yeah, it was the earthquake. I think it was nineteen seventy something. He scrambled. It, he got out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he left the next day. Yeah. Yeah. So he's in Colorado. Freaked him right out. Yeah. Yeah. He moved to Colorado and started a label. Yeah. And I said, uh, I don't know where to go, but I'm going to wrap it up. And he said, well, come out to Colorado. Yeah. And so I did. And out of that came the Barnstorm concept, which yeah. was my solo group. Yeah. And it was good. How, there were, how many there? How many were you? First, it was me and Joe Vitale, drummer. Yeah. Now, he's from Kent. So you knew him from back in the day? Yeah, but he was, uh, you know, when I said there's the fraternity guys? Yeah. He's one of them. <laughs> yeah, a good one. And so we didn't talk much. Right. So how'd you get, you just, you just called him up and said- Yeah, I'm I called him up and said, hey, I'm in Colorado and I don't know what I'm doing. What are you doing? He said, nothing. <laughs> yeah. You know how I'm doing. Kent's dead. Yeah. And so he came out. We made model airplanes for about four months because uh-huh. it was too cold to go outside and get his drums out of the car. <laughs> yeah. That was awful. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> we lived in Netherlands uh-huh. above Boulder. Uh-huh. That's where Caribou Ranch was being built, Yeah, which was James Gershio's studio he was the producer of chicago that's a big band yeah yeah and caribou ranch became a famous studio but not when you were there <laughs> no they were still building it yeah so where'd you record at caribou ranch oh you waited you built the model airplanes and yeah and we then we wrote some songs and then we got a bass player and we went and did that and the first barnstorm album got great reviews yeah and we played some shows and we were really good this just three of you again no there was four of us there was a keyboard player and that's when you did uh rocky mountain where the smoker you drink the player you get well uh the second barnstorm album was just coming out and rocky mountain way was on it and i wrote that about i don't know what i'm doing yeah I moved yeah. to Colorado, yeah, and I'm starting to run out of money, and my solo first solo album flopped, and I'm scared, yeah, and maybe I really screwed up, yeah, and and that's what the words kind of say, yeah, and then I looked up and saw the snow on the back range, yeah, and I said, wait a minute. It's better than the way we had. Yeah, which yeah, was right. Cleveland. Right, right. Yeah. So that's the, that's the yeah. backstory. So what happened then was Barnstorm. I was running out of money, and yeah. we, we we were playing for I don't know three hundred fifty bucks a night or something. In like touring or just around Colorado in that Southwest, whatever, or, right, whatever we could get. So you had no traction. And the record company was really not too excited. But those were those. Except Rocky Mountain Way was on the Smoker You Drink the Player You Get album. It's a huge record, man. And uh, about the last show that Barnstorm was going to play was at the Roxy. Here, the whiskey, the whiskey, the whiskey, yeah, the whiskey a go go, yeah. And uh, this guy came up to me, 
little guy with a beard, and he said, I've been trying to find you, and uh, I'm from the Midwest, and and I'm an agent. I'm a booking agent, mm-hmm. and you need some sh- you need some booking. Yeah. And I tell you what, I don't want to book, but I know how, but I want to be a manager. Yeah. And so why don't I manage you? And I, I had told him my affairs are a mess. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I, I, I don't know. I don't have any direction. I don't, I, I'm uh, not selling records. It's not going the way I had hoped. Yeah. And he said, well, I tell you what, I'll manage you. We'll get your stuff all figured out, and uh, and you got to keep going. Yeah. And, by the way, Rocky Mountain Ways hit. Yeah, that's what he said. Yeah. And that was Irving Azoff. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And that was pretty much the last gig Barnstrom was going to play. So... All of a sudden, I had a huge single, yeah, and a new manager, and he went on to become a huge manager. Yeah, still is. <laughs> yeah, he's still with him. Yeah. Wow, that's wild. So yes, you were there at the I beginning. Am. Were you his first client? Uh, me and Danny Fogelberg. Dan Fogelberg. Did he pass away, or is he still? Yeah, alive? Danny yeah. died of uh, prostate cancer. Oh. I don't know, 15 years ago. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know Dan before that? No, not before that. Yeah. But I, uh, Irving made me produce Dan's album. Souvenirs? Souvenirs, yeah. 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 That was a big record. Yeah. Dude, yeah. And different, definitely a different style than you, you know? Yeah. Well, Real Dan, laid back. Danny, I just couldn't believe the songs that, that this guy wrote. He's yeah. sitting there with an acoustic playing me these incredible songs. And Irving said he needs to do an album. Why don't you do it? Yeah. And so I did. And it was a big record. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so that was the first time you produced too. Yeah. So he makes he put he gets he helps you get Rocky Mountain Way on the charts, and that changed. I mean, that song that changed everybody's attitude. Changed the the whole country's attitude. I remember hearing that song at least three times a day when I was a kid, <laughs> like yeah. in Albuquerque, New Mexico, driving around. And then the live version, that was even that was a big record too. Yeah. 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 And you figured it he must have been the first one to use that voice box thing. Yeah. <laughs> Where'd you find that? That was just I on found the that in Nashville. There was a country singer named Dottie West. Yeah. And she was uh, one of the grand old girls of Nashville. Yeah. Old time I think she was married to Porter Wagner for a while. Uh huh. And uh her husband was Bill West, and he was a pedal steel player, but he was also a, a mad inventor. Yeah. And he had invented the talk box, which basically, it's not a speaker, it's the back end of a speaker. Right. In a little cardboard box and a piece of surgical tubing stuck in it. <laughs> yeah. So the sound comes up the tube. Right. But yeah. you don't really hear it. Yeah. Yeah. And Pete Drake is a legendary pedal steel player. He used it once. Did he play with George Jones? Yeah. yeah. Oh, he's so good, that guy. But Pete Drake had a hit where his pedal steel talked. 
But then the thing went back in Bill West's garage. Uh-huh. And uh, anytime the James Gang played Nashville, we'd go to Dottie's after the show, and she'd invite a bunch of friends over, and we'd all sit around and, and play guitar. Yeah. And uh, Bill West went out, came in from the garage and said, here, take this. I made this a long time ago. Uh, here's how you do it. You know, maybe you can use it for something. I'm cleaning out my garage. <laughs> and, that's, and you took it. And that's Rocky Mountain Way, yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, someone manufactured it after. Well, Peter Frampton called me up yeah. and said, what the hell is that? <laughs> so I told him. And he got rich, too. <laughs> With Frampton Comes Alive. Yeah. 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 Do you feel like I do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, a, it's such an odd uh, a piece of equipment because you don't hear it. it be, be, besides you guys, you two, you and Frampton, I, I don't. Who else did it? Jeff Beck a little bit. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So it's, it, 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 it's interesting because you can use your mouth and your throat as like this another riffing instrument, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah, and make a completely bizarro sound. Yeah. Do you still. You, you know the people who have uh, heavy smokers? Yeah. Who have no larynx? They had their larynx removed. Tracheotomy. And they have this yeah, right, buzzer yeah. sure, man. that they put. Yeah, yeah. And it talks like this. Yeah. It's basically that. That's better what it is. Yeah. Yeah. If you sit here and talk to me, yeah, but just move your mouth, right? That's what you do, right? And you put this tube in your mouth, and there you got it, and that's your sound. Yeah. Do you take Do you take it on the road with you? Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's that's where it came from. Just the Billy Bill West is that his name? Bill West in his garage. He also invented the first fuzz tone. Did he really? Yeah, but he never got a patent on it. Oh. So you missed a boat on that you one. Missed huh? a boat on that one. Yeah. yeah. So okay. So now you're with Azov. You I'm with Azov. Produce souvenirs. Yeah. You got Rocky Mountain Rocky Way. Rocky Mountain Way came out. It's and, all happening. And, and uh, uh, I got out of Colorado. How long were you there? Three years. Yeah. So are you getting married? You churning through wives yet? Is that happening? Yeah. 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 I got married and had a kid. And uh, actually, my wife at the time uh, had a car accident taking my kid to school. Somebody ran a stop sign and and uh, wiped him out. My wife's alive, but my kid got wiped out. Oh. And so- How old? Four. Oh, sorry, man. So I, oh, that's a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, uh, that was a great excuse to be mad at God. Yeah. And go on a- 20 year trash myself mm -hmm. that's where it started uh, yeah 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 well i was doing pretty good without that <laughs> yeah but you know and an album of mine called so what right yeah that was a reaction that was so. a, that could have been called fuck you yeah right yeah <laughs> i get it yeah 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 um how'd that album do Oh, it did great. Yeah. It did great. But right in there, right, uh, I was in California more and more and yeah. uh, made friends with the whole Southern California team. Who was it like the- A group, community. And this was a lot like Kent. This was in LA. 
Yeah. There are tons of places to play. Like J.D. Souther and those guys? Yeah, lots yeah. of musicians, yeah. and everybody had come to California. Yeah. Like, for example, me, yeah. Men Glenn and, and Henley, we knew that where we lived, which was... Ohio, Colorado for me. Yeah. Glenn was in Detroit. Yeah. Henley was in Texas. Right. Linden, Texas. Yeah, right. Uh, we knew that we'd gone as far as we were going to go. In those places. In those places. Yeah. And we didn't know if we would ever make it, but if we were going to make it, yeah. it would be in Los Angeles. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah, everybody was here, and and that was Laurel Canyon in the seventies. Yeah. So after the sixties, so yeah. it's not Crosby and those guys. It's your generation. It's early, or, yeah, or seventy two, three, four. So they were all still there too, right? The David Crosby, Crosby, David Crosby, Jackson Brown. Jackson yeah, Brown, yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, 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 you were up in Laurel Canyon. Me. Uh, I, I was a rocker, you know, yeah. but it was John and Glenn, and, yeah. and 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 they were in Linda Ronstadt's band. Yeah, yeah. Linda was having hits. Was Graham Parsons ever around? Graham Parsons and the Burrito Brothers, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, all kinds of people. Right. All kinds of people. So it felt like you're in a creative community again. You landed in yeah. the right place. Yeah, and none of us had made it yeah. yet. Yeah, yeah. So if somebody played the troubadour, yeah, everybody else would go <laughs> yeah. and hang. Right. And then, uh, more often than not, we would kind of split off into groups yeah. and go sit up all night and play guitar for each other yeah. and help each other write songs and stuff. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So like... like uh, well, out of that think tank, yeah. out of that community, mm -hmm. a couple of the guys got focused yeah, and that was Don and Glenn. Yeah. And out of that came the Eagles. But you're still doing solo at that point, right? Yeah, but I have a big hit. Yeah, so, with Rocky Mountain Way? The Eagles opened for me. Yeah. And I opened for like Elton John. Right, okay. Yeah, that was the pecking order. Yeah. 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 So I started hanging with them. And you were also doing a lot of studio work, right? Yeah, I was playing on people's records. Yeah, man. Yeah, a lot of people. And that, that must be felt great. So you're like working, right? Yeah. You worked with a lot of guys. Like I didn't realize you're... I just listened to Thunder Island the other day. Oh, Jay. Yeah. Yeah. It's the weirdest thing because I was like going through songs that, that for some reason I felt guilty about liking when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. And uh, and Thunder Island was one of them and I, and I listened to it and it was like, it's good riff. It, was that you on acoustic? Who, what, were you, what, what were you playing on that? Slide. Oh, you were sliding on that? Yeah. Where'd you fucking pick that up? Dwayne Allman. You what? You opened for the Allman Brothers back Open then? Opened for the Allman Brothers. For a while or just one or two dates? Oh, three or four dates over a summer. That must have been something to watch. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. With Dwayne, yeah. So you guys, so you're all doing it, but you're working, you're playing with Al Cooper, you know, you play- Yeah, uh, Big Al. Yeah. and, and uh, I played for- uh, Zevon. Uh, Andy Gibb. Wow. So, so you're in this mix. Well, you're watching Linda Ronstadt and the Eagles. The Eagles, guys. their guitar player Bernie Bernie Ledden, yeah, was a purist, guitar purist. Oh, right, I remember. I watched the doc, but it, it was like, a, he, like nine hours long. The he doc, only yeah. played. He only played acoustic, country, 
country, the bluegrass. Well, they were doing, they were kind of doing the Burritos Brothers thing, yeah. right? They were yeah. purists, yeah. right? Yeah. He played banjo and he played acoustic, yeah. and, and Don and Glenn wanted to go more towards rock and roll. Mm-hmm. They were worried about getting painted in the corner as a country rock band. So they, but they'd already done like what, four or five records, right? Yeah. Yeah, so Bernie said, you know what, I'm not getting off. I can't play rock and roll. You guys go ahead. So who were they left with? Was And Felder yeah. wasn't in the band yet, right? Yeah, they, they had... They had Felder? They had Felder for about a year. And when Bernie left? Yeah. 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 So then... It, 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 Felder, and they went a little more rock and roll, and On the Border oh, yeah. album. That's and, a good one. And Bernie looked at Felder and said, Felder's got it covered, you know... You don't need me anymore? I don't, yeah, I, I don't want to do this. Is he still around, that guy? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. And Irving said, what if we get Walsh? <laughs> yeah. What's he and uh, Glenn said, yeah, and Don said, no. <laughs> what was Don's problem? No. <laughs> Why didn't he want you? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what his problem was, but you know. So you'd already made you had made so you'd made. I so, knew them all. Yeah, yeah. You'd made so what already or not yet? Yeah. So that was out. Yeah, and that had a hit on it, didn't it? Yeah, or, yeah. So now what happens? Shortly before that was when my wife had the accident in Boulder, Colorado, like in seventy three or something. Uh, four. Yeah. Yeah. So you were pretty fucked up, bad shape. Uh, yeah, and and I got out of Boulder. Right, we we our marriage didn't stand a chance. Yeah, so that's a lot of strain. Yeah, so I yeah. just like went to L.A. because I I didn't know what else to do. Yeah, and uh, I didn't feel that I had the strength to continue a solo career. Yeah, with getting over what I had to get over. Yeah, so uh, when I was asked to join a band. You know, it was great. James Gang was great. I got in my own band. I was the leader. Uh, I found out that the leader has to sing everything, has to decide everything, Mm. has to tell the other people what to play. I didn't do that in the James Gang. Right. I didn't care what they played. Right. Uh, And... In terms of writing, if you have to write everything, it gets uh, lonely. Yeah. You know, there's nobody to bounce stuff off, nobody to... And also you're using a lot. Yeah. So you're going you're going down. Yeah. 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 And and so I was happy to get in a band. So what, what turned Henley around? He wasn't totally against it. Oh. Uh, I was crazy. Oh, yeah. And they didn't want to deal with it. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't want me to bring in that. Yeah. So you, when you guys all hung out and stuff, you were the guy who was out of control and yeah. fucking wild. And it's yeah, like, funny. Walsh, yeah, Walsh funny. is here, yeah. and nobody got hurt. Yeah, uh, just was, coked up and clowning. Well, Keith Moon <laughs> yeah. was a bad influence. <laughs> he gets he Keith taught ball. me how to do it all. <laughs> Here's how you glue shit. <laughs> Glue shit. Yeah, here's how you super glue somebody in their room. <laughs> they won't get out for two days. <laughs> All the important <laughs> skills. Yeah, this is how you throw a television off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're a full on uh, drugged up prankster. Yeah. And Henley was like, "Fuck this." Yeah. 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 
I, I don't know about that. Yeah. I, I don't know that this is really intellectually uh, sound right. thinking. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't seem like a responsible fellow, this Walsh yeah. guy. Yeah. So we decided we'd try it. Yeah. And so I learned all of Bernie's parts. Yeah. And we rehearsed for, I don't know, a month. Yeah. And then we went to Japan and played the Eagles catalog up to On the Border. So many fucking hits, right? But we had Funk 49. From you, yeah. And Rocky Mountain Way. Yeah. I mean, I I was the closer. And Walk walk Away, right? Yeah. You know, in, 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 in baseball, they bring a guy in. Yeah. yeah. In the ninth. Yeah. He's got to get three people out. Yeah. That's what I was for the Eagles. On the encore? At the end of the show to get an encore. Oh, you'd you'd wait. They the could almost get an encore, but yeah, they had you know. They all kind of went at the same tempo, so you had to you had to like put it over the top. Yeah, put yeah. it over the top. Right, man. Yeah, and that's okay. what made the most sense, especially yeah. to Irving. Yeah, and Irving said, "John, it, it doesn't really matter if you like him or not." Yeah. <laughs> you want to do encores? <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. So we went to Japan and it worked. The yeah. chemistry worked because yeah. I settled down. I did what I was supposed to do. I was happy to be in a band. I love those guys, their harmony. Yeah. It's a dream yeah. to have vocals like that and be a guitar player. Yeah. And play to that. It's nice. And Felder and I got along good. In the meantime, we, we didn't really play in the States that much. We went to Japan to try it out. Yeah. And we went to Australia, but yeah. we got Bill Simzik. Yeah, your old producer friend. Yeah. Yeah. And we did what became Hotel California in the studio. Yeah. Took a while to put it together, and huh? it was just like Kent. We were a real band, man. Yeah. We played... All together yeah. in the same room, on all, you know, on a lot of tracks. Yeah, yeah. And then we'd put the vocals on. Don and Glenn would write the words. They put that on, and then Felder and I would put on guitar parts, and that was it. Felder well, must have must have upped your game a little. I mean, he seemed like oh, a yeah. like. I mean, oh, to, we were great together. Yeah, man. I mean, yeah. obviously that Hotel California is like that's that's the one, man. Yeah, and so Hotel California came out. And uh, there was no turning back. So here we go. Yeah, huge record. And I saw you in the documentary talking about that riff on Life in the Fast Lane. That was just some practicing you were you Yeah. It, it, just, it, just a fucking around? Yeah, that was a warm-up exercise to get your right hand and your left hand talking. Yeah, that you came up with? Yeah, to, yeah. I, that was, I would warm up with that. It's such a great riff. And Don Glenn came in and said, what the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I don't know. And Glenn said, that's an Eagles song. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how long did it take you to put together that record, Hotel California? A year. Yeah? Is that about the average time? No. Longer or less? Should do it less. Uh, the long run took two and a half years, but we we toured right. while we were making it. So... Once Hotel California came out, I mean, that changed everything, right? Then you toured the States. You're the biggest band in the world. Yeah. Yeah. 
and then you just stuck with it through bet through thick and thin. Yeah. So when does sobriety hit you, man? What happened? Uh, I was in really, really bad shape. When I saw you at the comedy store, you were like very thin, and then your hair was yeah. all fried. And yeah, yeah, you look like a ghost. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was able to play rock and roll, right? Pretty effectively. Uh huh. For a long time. Fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in retrospect, most of the audience was fucked up. Yeah. And a good 50% of the musicians yeah. weren't that far behind me. Right. And 15% uh, of them were ahead of me. Yeah. In terms of getting trashed. But you were seeing guys drop, I imagine. Yeah. yeah. I had buddies. Yeah, yeah. I had buddies uh, who didn't make it. Yeah. They OD'd first. Mm -hmm. They OD'd before they hit bottom. Yeah, right, and right. what happened to me was I hit bottom before I OD'd. Yeah. And it was pretty close. Do you remember like what, where you were and what happened? I was in New Zealand. That's in that pretty place. Yeah. Yeah. You were just hanging out? And I was at a place called Hawks Bay. Yeah. Which is was the Maori capital 3,000 years ago. And there's an old fort there where about, I don't know, 4,000 people had lived. And this is the ruins of it. But it is, uh, for the Maoris, that's a holy place. Yeah. And I had gone to New Zealand and produced a band called the, uh, uh, the Herbs, H-E-R-B-S. Uh -huh. Reggae band? New Zealand, yeah. yeah. Is, reggae is weird. Uh, New Zealand is Polynesia. Uh -huh. It was Polynesia. It's like reggae. Yeah. But it's not the Jamaica man. Yeah. It's, it's you know. Different. It, yeah. A little Polynesian flavor to it somehow? Is it a different rhythm or I can't? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they were the biggest band in New Zealand so I made an album for them and so I got accepted into the Maori community huh. and so these were Maori guys yeah yeah okay anyway they took me up to the, the fort and I looked out and felt a lot of mojo yeah. from where I was yeah. and uh, had a moment of clarity shall we say yeah I know the phrase yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah and that was uh you're gonna have to do something about this. Yeah, and it wasn't too long after that. I, uh, I, I thought. Look, I thought I would go in, do laundry, get some sleep, gain a little weight. Yeah, get people off my back. <laughs> that that one, that part. Yeah, and, and then uh, uh, go out and pretend that I was only gonna drink beer. Yeah, but I, I realized about a week into rehab that. I can't say my life got better, uh -huh. but it stopped getting worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that was huge. <laughs> you know, I'll take it. I'll take it. And you're eating. Yeah. So I stuck around. <laughs> yeah. And I was done. Yeah. It's a lot easier when you're done. Yeah. And I saw in me, my health and my behavior, uh, everything that, 
my buddies who flamed out were doing. Yeah. And I, right. I, I I knew it was inevitable. You're gonna get. You're gonna die. Yeah. 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 And I didn't wanna. Yeah. 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 I didn't wanna. So uh, I decided that I would go in and get sober. Yeah. Uh, Eagles in the meantime had broken up for. 14 years, I think. So that's good timing for you, I guess. Well, Don and Glenn <laughs> came to me out yeah. of a blue sky, a clear blue sky, and said, we're thinking about getting the Eagles together. We can't do it without you, and we can't do it unless you're sober. Do you think you could get sober? And I said, I don't fucking know. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I can. Yeah. And this is uh this is the best reason I can think of uh, that not dying. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And you're going to get the Eagles back together. Yeah, yeah. So, I'll go in. That's what oh, that was the incentive too. Yeah. 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 That, that that was that was it. Oh, yeah. Between my moment of clarity. Yeah. And then when they did that, and then at that point, like when you first get sober, as I remember, like so you, you, you there, there's there's no coincidences. You're like you had the clarity. Don and Glenn show up. You're like, duh, yeah, yeah, it's time to do this. Yeah, right? duh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And and so in early sobriety, uh, I became an outpatient. I I I, I was going to go in for a week, and I stayed, you know, five weeks. Sure, and inked it in. Yeah. And then we started rehearsals for Hell Freezes Over. How was that for you? Really hard. Yeah. Really hard to play sober. I bet. After, what, 20, 30 years? Really hard to do, yeah. Oof. Really hard to do anything sober. Right. Because you're self-conscious, right? Yeah. Right. Terrified. Yeah. Yeah. So I drank in the first place. Yeah. Terrified to get up in front of people. Yeah. So what helped you out? I just stuck to the program. Yeah. I mean, I I bumped into these guys at at men's meetings. Yeah, guys older than me who had been sober thirty and forty years. Yeah, and I liked them. Yeah, yeah. They were they made sense. Yeah, and they had been where I was. Yeah, and and uh, makes it seem possible. Yeah, and, and I realize you know I'm not unique. Yeah. And different. Yeah. And one of a kind. Yeah. Like I always have thought I was. Right. You're the special user. There's yeah. me and then there's everybody else. Yeah. No, I'm an alcoholic. Right. And I thought, geez. It's a, it's a relief knowing who you are. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. I'm an alcoholic. Yeah. And, and these guys, I can tell them my worst nightmarish secrets yeah they can top it yeah <laughs> and somebody knows what to do yeah right right so somebody knew what to do yeah. about i'm terrified what do i do yeah and you got in the present and you dealt with it yeah 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 and and uh hell freezes over came out and here we go yeah a couple <laughs> of big hits back out on the road yeah so and, like what, and here i am yeah and you're going again yeah so this is the first tour in a while? First tour uh, after Glenn passed. That's right. We- uh, That was sad, huh? Well, 
Yeah. Sorry, sorry, buddy. We thought he had more time than that. Yeah. It was a it was a perfect storm of a couple things. When you go in the hospital and you get an infection yeah. or you get pneumonia, I don't know exactly what happened, but that wasn't supposed to happen. Yeah. Yeah. We thought that was it. I mean, Henley said, that's it. There's no way in hell we can ever, we can keep going. Yeah. And that's the way it was. And we were all sad for a long time, for a year. And uh, Irving and Don and I kind of agreed, you know, we gotta at least try. Maybe we'll suck, and then we'll know. Yeah, but we gotta at least try. And and how how are you? Um, obviously, he's irreplaceable. But how how are you? How are they divvying up the songs? Who'd you bring in? We got Glenn's son, yeah, Deacon, who's really good, twenty five. He doesn't have a clue what's going on, uh-huh. and it's great. <laughs> it's great standing next to him, and he's singing his dad's. He's parts? singing his dad's parts. Does he sound like him? Enough. <laughs> Looks like him. Sounds like him. Yeah. But he's deacon. I mean, he's yeah, doing sure. it his way. But, yeah. I mean, that, that, to me, makes it spiritually okay. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's almost like... Uh, the next generation is the next step. It's an evolution. It's respectful. It's not yeah. like, you know. Yeah. It's not like Journey. I mean, we couldn't just audition people that sound like Glenn. That would be weird. That wouldn't work. And the fans Glenn was a lot mad. more than that. Yeah, right. Exactly. And we asked Vince Gill to come and play. He's in, on the tour? Yeah. No shit? He's in the band now. Holy fuck. So we got Deacon Fry and Vince Gill. Uh, we rehearsed. Vince had wanted to be in the Eagles since he was 11. So now he is. That must be a whole other thing. <laughs> and, and now you're playing with Vince. Yeah. He's a fucking monster on that guitar. Yeah. Jeez. And he's the 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 vocal part of backgrounds and harmonies. He's real good at it. That we needed. Yeah. That's yeah. a that's a hell of a band, man. So we had to at least try. Yeah. And we did. Last year we played, I think, four shows. Oh, he did the big thing with Fleetwood Mac yeah. and all them, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the cla- uh, yeah, and, the and it worked. Yeah. And so then we decided we were going to tour and uh, so far it's been great. Great, man. And and you know everyone's getting along and Yeah. That's great. And Don's happy. Don's happy. How often yeah. does that happen? Well, I spent the first three years of being in the Eagles just trying to figure out if he liked me or not. <laughs> and then I realized, yeah, he likes me. He's just hard on himself. It's the way he is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like, you, and now do you find that, I mean, this maybe it's an offbeat question. I mean, it doesn't seem like you guys need the bread. You like doing it, right? We're doing it. Yeah. Well, it, it, it was a bitch. Uh, after Glenn passed, yeah, uh, we all dealt with it this way and that way, yeah. But we had to at least try, yeah, because boy, 
you know, we broke up a lot of times yeah. for a couple weeks, right. and then everybody said, geez, do you miss playing? Yeah. <laughs> you love well, playing? what were we mad about? Well, I don't know. <laughs> okay, let's, let's go play. And you love playing. Yeah. If I you- love playing. I don't know what else I would do. And and neither does Don. Yeah. And do you find that, like, now that you've got all that sobriety, I mean, what what is the primary difference be- between playing as sober as you are now and playing, you know, as, as good as you were, uh, you know, high? Yeah. Yeah. What's the difference? I, I learned how to do it. But does it feel different? I mean, do you appreciate it more? Do you get off on it more? Well, the look, I, uh, in terms of self-esteem, I can do it not drunk right i never thought right that i yeah. could do it yeah I mean, how can you be crazy rock and roll and do it sober yeah i never thought i'd be funny again yeah i i thought i was you know i didn't know what sober was i thought i was gonna just have a job and wear a tie you know <laughs> what and why come home what? and read the paper and, yeah you thought that was what's gonna happen yeah <laughs> But when you play, like you said before, like, you know, you got to the point when you were using that, you could, you know, like, it's almost like you serviced the using. Like, you could get away with playing and be as fucked up as you were. Yeah. Right. So now that you're 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 clear-headed, I have to assume that playing takes a different dimension. Playing is so much fun. Yeah. I mean, I got it as good as it gets. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We all do. Do you find that you learn We're your things? We're in a band that's loved, and yeah. the audience knows all the songs, and, you know, I could be moving pianos. Right. But do you surprise yourself on guitar? I mean, I imagine working yeah. with, with Vince now, you're yeah. sort of like, what the fuck? You know, yeah. like to, just to, to get in it with him yeah. has got to make you go like, holy fuck, this is something new. Well, I, I learned how to do it. Yeah. Uh, it took a while. Yeah. And, and uh, to not suck... We really have to take care of ourselves, and I hate that. <laughs> you, you know, well, we, we're all you know. Home. You know, yeah. if we were drinking, yeah, we wouldn't have to do this stupid show. No, <laughs> no, we'd, we'd, be, we'd be sleeping. We'd what be drinking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, and no one's uh, getting any younger to play. Yeah, and to do eagle songs. Yeah, right. Got to go to the gym. Yeah, yeah. I don't like that. Yeah. I, I play better if I go to the gym. Do you? Oh yeah, yeah. And eat and and take care of myself and and discovering sleep was huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can you do it? The sleep? Can you do it all right? Yeah. I don't sleep as much as I used. To. I like to. But yeah, I, I sleep. Yeah, and it's just it's a bitch getting to the shows now. Yeah. It's a whole different world. The big scale. Yeah. Production and all that. Well, you're traveling first class. It's comfortable, no? Yeah. It's just a lot of hauling around, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's worth it for those two hours, two and a half hours on stage. Great. It just is. For every night. Come and hear us. I'd love to, man. So I I know that you got you guys um you've done a lot of you, you know uh, good work philanthropically. I read. So yeah, what what do you what are you doing to help, man? Uh, I I started a uh, a foundation. I don't know a, a tax free deal. Yeah, uh, a benefit cause. Yeah, called Vets Aid. I uh, have a lot of buddies that went to Vietnam. 
Yeah. And they didn't get a very good deal yeah. starting when they got home. Right. It's a forgotten war, but we're still at war. Yeah. We oh, are. Sure. We're at war. Yeah. The guys that are coming home are shattered. There's been more vet suicides than people that have been killed over there. Wow. And I noticed between the coasts, there's this vast wasteland in the middle of the country that's different than L.A. Mm -hmm. and New York. Yeah. And if you're a vet there, you're all alone. And there are these little communities, little groups of vet-run places that you go to, you know? Yeah. And they work without a budget. Right. I decided to follow Willie Nelson's lead and start Vets Aid. And this is to help the people I described. Right, in the communities that don't in get help. In the communities, that, yeah. in the counties, yeah. in, you know. And how does it work? It's a... it's a. Well, uh, last year we did a, a concert. Mm-hmm. And uh, Keith Urban came and Zach Brown and uh, Gary Clark Jr. I asked them and they came and I played and we raised about a half a million dollars. Yeah. And that money went to keep all of these organizations going. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. So you're going to, there's a, people and can we don't have a budget. Right. You so know. you got a, uh, I got another one coming up. Oh, this great. is the second year. We're going to play in Tacoma, Washington, because uh, last year was Virginia. Uh huh. There's a huge, uh, military base there and it's november 11th who's playing uh chris stapleton and james taylor and me so far uh-huh uh we we help gold star families those are families where a family member didn't come back right uh special ops families don't come back and so we started uh, scholarships for the children uh -huh. to go to school. Uh -huh. And there's prosthetic people still waiting for limbs. Yeah. We help them and we have job training for them uh -huh. because it's hard to get a job if you're missing a limb. Right, right. But if you have training and you can do something, that's great. You know? And on and on and on. Right. And the suicide prevention is the big thing. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, it's like when I came into AA. Yeah. I'm not all unique and individual and alone. Yeah. I'm an alcoholic. Yeah. Well, they got to think I'm not unique and individual and alone. I'm a vet. Yeah. Let's get them together. Yeah. 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 And we, we invite families to the concert yeah. and give them seats uh -huh. and we invite veterans and handicapped there and give them seats and uh, all the families get to meet each other and bond. It's a really good thing. That's great, man. So uh, that's November 11th. Is there a website? Yeah, vetsaid.org. Great, man. Well, that's good. That's great you're doing that, Joe. Yeah. And it was great talking to you. It's a real honor to meet you. I loved it. Thanks for coming. You're welcome.
Thanks. We made some headway, didn't we? That was Joe Walsh. If you if you somehow turned it on and you entered the middle of the conversation, it was great to meet him and talk to him. Uh, it was nice. And when we got right when we walked out, he 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 apologized for something, but I I can't fucking remember what it was. So I guess it didn't bother me that much. But it was nice. It was like a it was a a sober thing. Man, I'm still stuffed up. I'll, I'll try to play a little something. <laughs> 